1: We are on a mission, a big, big, big mission, right? Andressa, to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And Andressa always says, whatever Whatever balance means to you. you. And I I love the term. I'm going to keep saying balance because I know it really annoys a lot of people. So part of me just, I really love talking about balance because let's be honest, we do, we want it all as women. We want it all as people to create a lifestyle that we love, but every moment's not happiness and joy, right? There's frustrations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're the mom and we also are getting this nasty email from a client. Those things happen and we don't live a balanced life every moment of the day in every situation. Of course not. We'd be naive to say we did, right? Yeah.
2: But you know what? People are very annoying when I would say balance because they think that we might be saying balance as if equal parts. Right. And balance to me might be spending more time doing something else than working. It might be spending three months on vacation per year, whatever that is. So it, it is balance,
1: not equal, equal parts of each yeah. And I think also when you're living a true like for me, when I have those days that are truly balanced, I'm all in on one thing. Like, I'm not the mom who's checking my email and seeing a nasty email come through. Or I'm not being a good wife, of actually listening to my husband, not hearing want want want, and thinking about something else, right? I'm all in on that role or that focus. And I think that's what most people really want, right? To show up fully. But anyway, so that's what we're all about. Thank you for tuning in again.
3: You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
4: Visit BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa.
1: RV, thank you so much for being on our show. We, we so appreciate you sharing yourself and your wisdom today with our community. So thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, really excited to jump into her story. And before we do so, we always like to get connected to all of you. Andressa, what's happening? What would you like to share with us in our community today?
2: Yeah, so many of you guys listening know that we went to BP conference last month. And yesterday, Matt Faircloth, who is Liz's husband, that's how we know him, <laughs> he published on his YouTube uh, channel, The De Rosa Group, If you don't know that channel, go check it out. They have great, great videos there. So they posted over there, Justin Fraser, uh, who is Matt's business partner, he recorded a couple of people during the BP asking them, what are the things that you would tell yourself, your young self, or what mistakes you have made? And I love that video because I saw a pattern when I was listening to all those answers. There is a pattern there. So the pattern that I'm talking to you here is really leverage your skill set, your time, your funding and looking for partnerships that will complement what you don't have or be able to leverage what they don't have. So vice versa. So what boils down to me is like teams and partners, right? Because you can look at your team members, the GC as your partner. You can look at your attorney as your partner. So those types of partnerships, private lendings, your partners. And the reason why I'm saying that is because Liz and I are very mindful of you knowing the options that are out there and you don't need to have 10-year career in real estate investing for you to start partnering up and scale your business. So we want to, like, accelerate that. So we are planning a three-day event. It's virtual every single night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to talk about how to build partnerships that last and if you want more information about it, you can click on our show notes. You have a link there so you can sign up for it today. It's going to be December 6th, seven, and 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't waste this opportunity. It's going to be a great Great, great event. You know that Liz and I love to pack a lot of things <laughs> into our events. So it's going to be there for you. And we are very excited to talk about this subject because we think that this is how we can grow your business on
1: our own terms. Yes. Love it. Love it. So without further ado, RV, thanks again for being here. And thanks again for you know sharing your wisdom with us. So we always like to kind of kick things off uh, with all the Over 200 guests that we've had on, all uh, women guests too. What propelled you? What inspired you to begin investing in real
0: estate? Uh, That's such a great question. Honestly, I wouldn't say there was an inspiration that came through to me to get started, So I was, uh, I had just finished my college career or degree and I started my master's degree and I was in the first years of doing my master's. And I probably applied to, I don't even remember now, like a hundred job applications and opportunities and went to so, so many interviews and I didn't get one call back from any of them. So I was really frustrated at the time. I was like, maybe there's something wrong with me. Uh, I'm not good enough for these people, you know, or whatever. So I was on the phone with my dad and you know, I was just telling him like it's just not working out. Like I don't know what to do. I should just start a business or something. And he was like, "Well, speaking of businesses, have you thought about real estate?" And I was like, "Real estate? Like, there's what am I supposed to do there? Like an agent?" And he was like, "No, not an agent." He's like, "I had a friend that told me that you know he's like doing some type of house flipping and he buys them and sells them." And I was like, "Really?" So. Uh, when he mentioned that, it's like one of those things when somebody mentions something to you and you start noticing everything about it. So I was in my car driving, and there was this like free real estate web or seminar, one hour type thing. And I went there; it was for free. Um, and at the time, you know, I was really broke, so I couldn't afford much, anyways. And then they kind of upsell you to like a three-day event. So I ended up buying that; it was like three hundred dollars for the event, and. I never looked back since then. I just kind of got sucked into all of the, you know, things that you can do with it. So ever since then, I started, you know, researching and then I bought my first property like eight months later. Wow. And that was 2019?
2: Uh, 2018. Yes. 18. Wow. Years go by fast. Yeah, right. (laughs) So from there to now, in just a couple of years, you were able to flip wholesale deals. And it's not like this. Okay, 2020 was very interesting, right? And 2021 as well. But as per your numbers, you have more than 50 transactions during the short period of time. We want to break down how you were able to do that. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm just going to start with one deal per year or two deals per year. And that didn't happen. For you right you were able to yeah. do so many transactions and gain the experience and the knowledge and build your portfolio that way so when you look back at your first properties property walk us through how you found it and how you fund it
0: yeah absolutely so um, at the time it was still the time where you can kind of find good deals on the MLS. So, uh, that was the first place I really looked at, uh, whenever I started was doing my research into real estate and kind of like what you guys were just talking about building a team and having team members that, you know, can help you do all of that. One of my ladies at the career center at my master's program, her husband was an inspector, a house inspector. So I talked to her and I was like, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. And she's like, oh, my husband would be a great connection. You know, talk to him, see if there's anything he can help you with. And I was like, great. So I called him and I was like, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. I was like, I don't have any experience in looking at these properties, how much work they need or any of that. And he was like, oh yeah, I can definitely help you with it. And I know you're just going to start So, you know, I'll help you out with the pricing too. It's not going to be, you know, retail pricing, but he was like, but I think you should really connect with my agent because she's a great, great lady and has so much experience in this market. So he connected with me with her and she was so great. She worked with investors. Um, she understood the investment part, not just the retail side. So that's when we started looking at houses and she was sending me, you know, kind of like these emails and taking a look at properties. So that's where I found my first one. And then in terms of private lending, um, same thing. I was at the time again, I was just doing my research. Uh, I attended this free networking event for real estate investors. And uh I was like one of the youngest ones at the time over there. Uh and I just was making connections with people. And one of the guys that was there, he's like, Hey, I'm a private lender. I just started, you know, doing this. I'm trying to do it full time so that I can make money, you know, passively for my family. And I was just kind of sharing my goals with him. And from there on, we had a kind of like a lunch meeting. I shared, uh, I had prepared this little packet uh, that I printed out and I shared with him like my goals, what I'm looking to do. And even though at the time I had no clue what my goals would be, but I just kind of shared with him the vision of where I'm looking to go. And he just believed in me. And honestly, just kind of from there, we ended up working together on that first property and the second and third, and he's still my lender today. I love that. So what did you put in this like packet? So, yeah, so it was just an introduction of myself. You know, I'm RV and I didn't have much work experience either, but, you know, just kind of explained to him where I'm from originally, that type of stuff and what I've been doing. I shared with him my goals Uh, personally, like what I had, I wanted to be this big boss lady with, you know, flipping hundreds of houses a year, And I also shared with him the company goal that I had, you know, how many team people or people I wanted to bring on my team. And, you know, it was just really basic type things on, on real estate investing and myself. And I also explained a little bit uh, about private lending in general, even though he had the experience, I kind of put together a little bit as well, our benefits on, on, you know, what, what would private lending mean if he did it for me or with me and that type of stuff His benefits. So I think they just kind of brought it all together for him. And he saw the vision and kind of my goals. So that's why he trusted me. I love that. We
1: talk a lot about track record, right? And sometimes our track records aren't like we've been doing this for 10 years and have done a million projects. But our track record also includes who we are and the kind of character we have and and the goals we have. And I don't want women to dismiss those things, you know, because those things are important. And I think what you just shared is really important to share with Mm -hmm. people that are going to be partners with you. Because what it shows is you care enough to actually have prepared to meet with this person, right? Or rather than just like, you know, when people come prepared for something, you just take them more seriously. And I I just don't know how, I don't know why, why that is, but we just do as people. So I think that's great. And I, and I think that that's something everyone can do. So you don't need this like 10 page, right? All your ROI docs uh, in a row. (laughs) You just sometimes just need to say who you are and what you're looking to accomplish and everyone starts somewhere. So, yeah. I like that a lot. I want to talk about your first flip from the foundational perspective. You shared a little bit about some of the, some of the pre-work we all, we, we do, we, we, we take our interviews quite seriously. me mean, I'm so we always come prepared um, and really think about our, our, the women we're serving and just trying to, to, to pick out things that are being, be of most help to them listening. So tell us a little about that, because I think that's a really good nugget there of guys so many good learned lessons you can pull from that. So talk a little bit about the foundational issue. Yeah. Situation, I'll yeah. call it.
0: So it was this property, like my first one, I walked it through my agent and um, she's the one that told me first, like, Hey, these walls look pretty like crooked. There's big cracks on here. I definitely suggest you get a basement inspector down here and to make sure that, you know, it's, it's good and it's going to work for you. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, great. And then I walked it through with an inspector friend of mine uh, and he told me, yeah, I mean, these look pretty bad. You're going to have to get an inspector and just make sure that you didn't do them, have to replace them and all that. And honestly, I just didn't listen to them. I was like, you know what? I can do this. Whatever comes my way, I'm just going to handle it. And I don't think it's that bad. You know, I'm not going to have to replace it. We've done that. I have done that so many
1: times, right, Jessa?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I have the chills. (laughs) I know. So, uh, yeah, I thought I was, uh, I had this much energy in me that I was going to handle it. And yeah, ended up being that I had to replace uh, two of the biggest walls, which are like 32 feet long and like eight feet high, because it was a full basin, like you can finish it and have like a full, you know, living situation down there. So um, it was definitely not fun. And even when I did that, um, I still went with the wrong decision and hired the right or the wrong contractor for the job. I got a quote from, you know, like a good basement company that was even going to give me a lifetime warranty on it for $35,000. And I was like, you're crazy. I'm not going to spend that much money on this basement. So I got another contractor and he gave me a quote for $15,000. So I should have known. Yeah. So I should have known there was something wrong there, but, um, I ended up going with him and it took like six months, no, probably even more than that, probably like six to eight months to get it done. And even when it was done, there were still leaking through the wall. So it wasn't done the right way with the waterproofing. So then I ended up hiring the first company that gave me a quote to kind of fix it up and ended up spending like 45000 on that on the walls alone. So um, yeah, definitely a lot of lessons learned there. And the first thing that I learned is that I'm not good with contractors or handling like uh, budgets, you know, and inspections and all that type of stuff. So I was like, I need somebody to to help me do all of this for me. Got it. so walk me through w- with that, right?
2: Because mm-hmm. did you make that as that decision that you're not good with contractors and and budgeting based on that experience alone, or? there were other things that you evaluate your strengths or you, you, it was a strategic business decision.
0: Um, I wouldn't say the time was so much strategic it's more like I was just really overwhelmed. And at that point I started doubting myself. And during the time that I had my first property, while all the foundation work was going on, I couldn't do much, but wait. So I ended up buying another property. So I kind of started, I didn't have obviously the same uh, problems with contractors, but Um, I still had issues with them. So after that second house, I was like, I really need somebody like I'm done handling these people myself because I'm just not good at it. So um, it was like a little bit of me being overwhelmed, but also strategic. Now when you see back at it, it's like, okay, you understood that, you know, I wasn't good enough for it. And it's not my skill set to handle contractors. So I need to outsource that.
2: So talk to me about the outsource, how you found that person and how, you knew that that person was ideal for that job?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So the person was actually my boyfriend at the time, my fiance now. I just remember like he at the time was in Florida and was going through um, his own like sports and coaching. That's what he wanted to do with his career. Um, But he was struggling with making money there too because I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with sporting and coaching, but coaches like, especially in the beginning, they don't make a lot of money. It's all about free work and just kind of showing your worth. So he was kind of fed up with that at the time. And I was fed up with my stuff. And I was just kind of complaining to him all the time on the phone. Like, I can't handle this. Like, I need to find somebody now. And he was like, let me come and help you out for like a couple months in the summer when he didn't have school and sports. And um, he was way better in it than I was. And he was from there on. He was like, OK, do you need my help? Like, Should I come into the business with you? Do you think we can handle it? So um, yeah, so that's pretty much how it started, and I didn't really know he was going to be good at it. I guess being a man could have something to do with it. I don't know, uh, but I also know strong women that are really good at handling contractors. So maybe it just was a personal skill that I didn't have.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So he comes in, and what about? I just want to dissect this for for everyone listening too, because. There's two things I think I just was kind of speaking of. And I think the women in our community, we know really well. So I'm almost thinking as though they're listening to this. Part mm-hmm. of it is sometimes second guessing ourselves, right? We're actually good at something, but we don't fully believe it. We're getting a little beat up, you know, mm-hmm. and and what happened, what, what happened, you know, to you of the, the foundational, you know, example, then there's the other side of like, am I actually equipped skill wise and interest wise and like personality wise to do this? Right as as I scale, because you've been able to successfully scale quickly in a way that most people don't. So that's interesting. That I just think it's interesting to hear. It sounds like he I don't you know had had the skill set right. You know to to handle. Is he tend to be more like a project manager? Like is he good at managing
0: timeline
1: and budget? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. he's definitely way better at that than me. And I think, uh, once we've talked about it, you know, past that point is, I think it comes down to how we were raised too. So he's always been involved in sports and teams and he's always been like a captain and trying training people and keeping people accountable for their actions. Mm. And I was really never in the sports world. Like I never really had teammates that I need to be accountable on or people that really held me accountable on the sports side. Um, so it's always been kind of just me on my own, you know, doing my thing. And I'm a little bit soft at heart, too. So when contractors would come at me with like, well, I just need this extra payment because, you know, my wife this or my kid this. I'd be like, OK, fine. You know, he's in a bad situation. Let me help him out. Even though it was not my spot at all. But with him, it's more like kind of cutthroat. Hey, you told me you're going to do this. You haven't done it. I can't pay you, period. Like, I'm sorry <laughs> what you're going through, but I'm going through my own stuff, too. Yeah. So, you know. So I think um, the sports kind of thing had to do with him a little bit more than I did and on the skill set. Just <laughs> wanted to share that, you know, looking back at my first deal, if I were to
2: say, did I do a good job? Was I proud of myself on, on how I managed my first contractor? The answer is no. I overpaid for it. The job got done, yes, but I overpaid for it. I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't feel like, oh, I found my spot. I can't yes. wait to do this 15 times, which I ended up doing, right? Do, doing an average of 15 projects at the same time and scaling, doing commercial. At that moment, when I finished my first project, if I were to do an evaluation or make a decision about, okay, am I equipped to do this? The answer will be no. So what I would like to share with all the women that are listening is that There's two different ways that you can look at this over here. Is this a skill set? You're interested in learning about it. And then you go forward and then you acquire that skill set. No matter what you do in real estate, I don't care what exit strategy you pick. You've got to know your numbers. I don't care you because if you don't know your numbers you're not going to even be able to manage somebody to understand if the numbers that that person is saying is correct or not the second thing which i think that that's the decision that you made it it is related to okay this is not my thing i tried it you know this chocolate flavor of ice cream i (laughs) don't actually like it and let yeah. me focus on other things that I like more and I'm able to contribute to the business, which exactly what you did and was able to, to do multiple transactions in, in the period of time that you did. So I want to go there. You talked about the five steps of building a foundation for your real estate business.
0: Can we break those down for, yeah, for the listeners? Absolutely. So kind of like what you mentioned, when I realized that that's not my first, like my skill set, and I needed to do something in order to scale this, like my goal was not to be a yeah, like do my own work, do one house at a time, like we were doing real estate investing full time, and it was our only source of income for the both of us. So we're like, okay, we need to scale this. So the first thing that we kind of came up, not came up with, but that we became as a challenge for us is whenever we were getting leads in is like a central system to where to handle these people. Like we were getting leads in and then they were getting lost because I was writing them on one notebook and then on my Google Drive and then, you know, somewhere else. So things were getting lost and I had this number on my phone. So um, the main thing I did when it came to, all right, like this is serious. Like we stop with all the BS is to have a central system for, you know, to handle all my leads. And, you
2: know, let me just take a quick stop. Where were those
0: leads coming from? You're saying that the leads were coming through your website? Yeah. So at the time we didn't have a website, but we were doing call calling. Uh, We were doing some type of direct mail and all that stuff. So we were uh, getting leads in. we were also doing like driving for dollars, that type of thing. So we had all these different things that we were doing and everything was just getting mixed up and we just didn't know where things were. So that's when it came down to, okay, we need something centralized at every time. And we called a lead, somebody that said, yeah, I'm interested, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll think of, I've thought about selling my property. To so that, to us, that was like, okay, a potential lead. So at that moment is when we put, put it into our system. So, Um, That was like the first big change that we made is getting a system for our leads that was centralized. And it became important that that system had certain functions. Like obviously the first thing is managing the leads. The second thing was some type of automation and integrations and being able to call and message that lead within that system, have everything recorded and centralized so that I don't forget, you know, what the last conversation was. So that was like a huge change for us. Yeah. So you're referring to CRMs, right? Correct. So which one did you pick? I picked ReSimply. I'm right. not sure if you guys have heard that before, but it was one of the most affordable ones, and it still is, and has all these functions and more that were more than enough for me to get started with. Harvey, say it again. ReSimply. R-E-Simply.
1: Okay. Cool.
2: So you would say that that is number one on your foundation for the real estate.
1: Yes. CRM. Okay. Yeah. Just to say something really quickly, I think you were very astute to listen to that feeling that you need to get something in place. Cause what most people do, they'll keep going and going and going and they and then it becomes so overwhelming, right? So five leads become 10 leads and becomes 20 leads. And it might seem obvious like, yeah, just get a system and put it into place and do some automations and we're, we're good. Like, but just know that that's not what most people do. Yeah. Most people take a really long time, especially if that's not their focus and their core genius, to be honest. And, um, I mean, we, we had a CRM for our, our, our lead source was more investors, right? So I remember it was only a few years ago when we were up to like 200 investors. We're like, we need to we need a system, you know, yeah. better than our, I think we had a very good Excel form. It was a very robust Excel form, but we needed something that was a little like a next level. Um, yeah. Yeah. We should have put that into place sooner than we did. So I, I just, i put a note there for everyone listening. Don't wait too long. Uh it's better do it sooner, like in your case, RV, that you did it and you nipped it in the bud. So you can really scale more peacefully. You know, I think women make it happen either way, but we just put this additional pressure on ourselves that's unnecessary, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say it's fine when you have like five or six people that you can call as leads or you know, investors in your case, but once you scale to more than that, you start forgetting what you said to these people, you know, the last time and my kind of the line I drew was when when I lost this guy's number that I really wanted to call him back and I just Mm. couldn't find the piece of paper I wrote it on so I finally found it after two weeks and I call him back and he's like oh I already sold to someone else oh what a good so that really hurt (laughs) so at that point I was like all right this is it I'm done like this hurts really bad yeah exactly because a
2: lot of people say oh I'm gonna pay for a CRM it's expensive so in that case Mm -hmm. how much was the lost profit there potential yeah. lost
0: profit that right. that happened in that deal? How much was that? I would say at a minimum there was a wholesale deal, which was like a ten thousand um, dollar wholesale fee. So yeah, yeah, put that into your CRM, <laughs> right? Right?
1: You just invest it there. All right, that's yeah. really neat.
0: So let's talk so that's about number the one. Other, the, the other items, right? Yeah. The second lesson that I really learned was marketing. This is probably like your biggest expense for the business whenever it comes to having, no matter in real estate or something else is marketing, because you need to bring leads in and those leads are going to convert you into, um, into money, you know, your payday and all that stuff. And whenever I started doing marketing in the beginning, it was like on and off because I was like, Oh, it's expensive. Like, let me just try and get something, you know, so I would stop it for a couple months and do something else. So that completely like would kill the vibe of the business. We would start out, you know, we do so good. And then we'd have all these dips in our business, like every two months. So the moment when I switch from like doing that to running marketing, like a clock, like nonstop and consistently is a moment my business started changing too. And uh, I want to clarify something too, like, I I don't mean marketing where I'm spending like $20,000 a month or something like that, because I didn't have that. So I just meant marketing, uh, whether that's your self-call calling or direct mailing or whatever it is, just be consistent in that, whether it's a hundred leads that you're calling a day or a week, uh, just keep doing it. Don't stop doing it because that's going to convert into deals. So That was like our major, like second, like turning point in the business as well. We were, we were doing marketing nonstop and it's super important that, you know, kind of like where you're pulling your list from, um, how often and what kind of list and that you have processes in place for these things and who's going to do it too. Like, is it going to be you? Is it going to be someone else that you're paying a VA, you know, whatever that is.
4: I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't
2: get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
1: I want to just share a quick shameless plug for a book. It's not really shameless because I didn't write it, but not yet at least. Um, But it's a book by Dan Sullivan called The Multiplier or the Simplifier. And why I'm saying that is because People, what I've seen is, is investors, especially, you know, ramping up our businesses, will be attracted to one or the other, where we're just creating a lot of things or a lot of opportunities, yet there's nothing in place to actually cultivate them, like you're saying the, the first thing. Or people overthink the CRM, like they, they take a year to figure out which CRM they're going to use. And we yeah. see it on our Facebook community, where they're literally the same people are talking about the CRM, they have no leads right? So, so you can be one or the other. And usually, you know, I, I feel like people can overthink something or just jump into it too quickly and not have the right systems in place. And people tend to be one or the other in some ways, or maybe a little both. So I just say that because just watch yourself in those two. Are you the jumping in, it out after kind of person? Are you the like, well, let me overdo it here. And, and that placates so much to how we go through the, go through the business. And to your point, I love that you put the system in place first. That didn't happen second, right? That Mm -hmm. was first because now you're paying for leads. How are you going to, how are you going to actually cultivate them? And you don't want to lose that number again. So very strategic, what you're saying. I just wanted to mention that that's really smart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, you're spending money for marketing. So if you don't have that system in place to keep track of people that are calling you with potentially, you know, interested in selling, you're wasting money because you're not converting those leads. So um, definitely super important.
2: Awesome. Let's go to the third pillar. What would you say
1: that? Yeah. And I feel like we're running like a mini workshop. I love this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the next one I would say is a training system in place for your team. So I always consider marketing as the bloodline of the business and sales is like your brain. Uh, the two cannot function without each other. Like you won't have a, a human if a live human if those two are not working. So same thing for the business. If you don't have marketing, marketing in place. You still need sales. And if you don't have one of the other, you're going to waste money. you know, in one way or the other. So training systems. And I learned this again by making the mistake on myself as well. Um, I hired somebody that I thought was a good fit for the company that could help me, you know, keep closing more leads because at the time we got really we, we had more leads than I could handle. And, um, it was good to, to begin with, you know, he was a good fit. He had sales training because I didn't have that personally either. So I just kind of jumped into it and I was figuring out sales as I went on and talking to people and I just kind of taught him the real estate side of things and that worked for a couple of months. Um, but Again, I've never hired somebody, and I've never been the boss of somebody, and you know, I've never had an employee, so I didn't realize that training people is something that you do on an everyday basis. Like it doesn't just stop this first two weeks that you taught them how to do real estate, and then you know, they're they should be good to go. Because if you compare that to yourself, I mean, most of the people, they try to learn real estate and understand the process of real estate for at least a year before they buy their first property. So why would this person that you just brought in with two weeks training know everything and should be able to close deals you know, in, in one month? So that was a mistake I made. And to me, it was like, OK, finally, I got somebody. I am done with this task. And I'm going to go do something else. And he got it. I'm not going to even bother him anymore. So those was a wrong mindset. And we realized that obviously after a couple months where things kind of started slowing down and he wasn't performing as well, that we ended up firing him, but it wasn't his fault. It was my fault for not handling it the right way. So before we hired a second person and a third person, that's when we were like, okay, we need, what is our training system? How are we going to train them? How are they going to understand every step of the way? And how are we going to keep training them consistently so that they're always um, you know, understanding and that, like evolving with us as well in the business. I think it's
2: so great to talk to you about um, your journey so far. And you have a team of 10 people and a lot of women that we're talking in our community, very experienced. They're talking about considering higher their first person and there is a mental challenge there and I I don't think you face that mental challenge in hiring people because I as you mentioned you didn't have another choice you were so overwhelmed it's a good thing because then you have to to hire and and expend but talking about those those like KPIs right how did you put uh measurements in place to make sure that they were doing what you want them to do on the standard way that that you want them them to do. It's like um being accountable,
0: right? Did you how you be able to track their progress and their performance? That's such a great question because in the beginning, again, when I hired that first person, I didn't have any of that. So I didn't know if he was doing good, if he was doing bad. I just kind of knew he was making calls. But the system that I had in place for Simply, um, it actually tracks a lot of the KPIs for you too. So like whenever um, how many calls you're making a day, it will tell you it has like a dashboard of how many calls you make per day, what team member did it, you know, and how many messages and all that stuff. So. Uh, whenever he was working and then I, I fired him, I started noticing a track of like, okay, how many calls was I making when I was working full-time versus how many calls was he making when he was working full-time and, you know, nine to five basically. So I started noticing the trends and I was like, okay, if I can make, you know, for example, 50 calls, I know he's not going to be at my level, um, because he's still maybe in training or it's just not as good as I am when he gets started. So, okay, he needs to make at least 30 calls a day. So that's when we started tracking things like um, our acquisition manager, for example, at a minimum should be making 30 calls a day. On the other hand, this brings up the problem of if he's making 30 calls a day, do you have enough leads in your system for him to make 30 calls a day? So now it's like, okay, how much, how many leads do I need to bring in every day in order for him to make 30 or her to make 30 calls a day? So everything is interconnected. And that's why I mentioned that, you know, marketing and sales, like they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. So those like the kind of the first things we've put in place um, and then from there I'd say we track like how many offers it takes for us to to close a deal so whenever I'm seeing him you know making offers and we're not getting any deals, I know that okay he hasn't hit his stats yet, so I know that you know it takes us uh, at a minimum like ten offers to get one deal so those are like the I would say the main things to track when it comes to an acquisition manager all right so we have CRM marketing and training what comes next next would be i'm sure everybody's heard this before but processes and play and um programs or i'm sorry uh processes and procedures uh which is tracking everything that the role has in writing or in in videos however because right now a lot of people do videos too so whatever is easiest for you but being able to have a definition for each single role and tracking that, those steps of like what that role is supposed to do and document everything with very much detail. Because one of the other biggest expenses in a company is not just like marketing and sales, but it's going to be turnover. So whenever you fire somebody, now that place is empty. So it's costing you money being empty. And it's also costing you money when you're trying to hire somebody and train them again, because somebody has to train them. So whenever you have these processes and procedures in place, Um, it's super important to minimize the time of turnover from employee to employee. And that that means for myself too, like I don't want to be training that same role, you know, every single month or something like that. Like I want to be able to have somebody in place and say, here are all the processes and procedures. Let's train you on the first two weeks. But, you know, you have to be able to go back to them every time you have a problem. And once you haven't figured out the possible solutions that I have noted here for you, then you can come to me and say, okay, you know, I can't fix this, help me and stuff like that.
1: Love it. So that's the fourth one.
0: We're up to four, four right? Yeah, All right. What's, the, what's the final one? Last one? Final one is putting the right people in the right places. Um, hiring is so very crucial of, for your company and part of the foundation. And if you have everything else in place, but you have the wrong person doing, you know, the wrong position, it's still going to cost you money. And it, like we mentioned, you know, that turnover is going to be expensive for the company. So in the beginning, when we were hiring, uh, we were just kind of doing like a one-step type step interview process. If we liked him, it was like, great, you know, let's, let's get you going. Now we have a four-step interview process because we're not always, only want to make sure that you're the right person for the job, but we also want to make sure that you're fitting with the culture of our company. If I can't have a conversation with you and joke about things or just have fun talking to you, it's probably not a good cultural fit because it just doesn't fit with my personality and the other team members. So there's going to be some type of clashes. So we try to avoid those and have this four step interview process system where we try to minimize the risk of having somebody that fits bad in our company. If you could summarize, what are those four steps? Yeah, so first step is like a Zoom interview. Um, and then the second step is coming in person and actually being on the phones with you know our leads. The third step is coming back in and we just do a team meeting, like a team interview. And the fourth one is meeting actually outside of the office somewhere, like at a bar for a drink or lunch or something like that to kind of get to know the person personally.
2: Oh, interesting, the last step, because I think that You can gain a lot of information from somebody if you're just having coffee with them. To me matters so much when they how they treat the the waiter or the waitress how they handle every single situation. You can get so much. I think so smart of you guys to do that, the last step, because you get to know the person, right, outside the office setting so they can loosen up and, and like, hopefully be who they
0: are and see if it is a good thing. And you'd be surprised what a good glass of wine can have people say. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. I like that strategy. I want to make a couple quick points, too, because of my background and just knowing some of this, from a people perspective, I love how your fifth step is the people. Mm-hmm. Most people are, flip them over, meaning the people hiring the person will be the first thing they do. Mm-hmm. That was your fifth step. And again, like you really, I mean, thank God you let go of the managing of the projects. Like this is where your core <laughs> genius is. Yes, <laughs> be able to scale the way you've scaled and to be so mindful, like People take a whole career to figure out this stuff. I'm serious. Yeah, I, this is my this was my field for over a decade. Like, and you say it so kind of humbly, but like, thank God you let go of that. This is where you need to be. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, I I love that the fifth one is the people, because that is so 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 helpful. Because to 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 just reiterate to the women listening, because it's people go so enamored with the people, and then the lack of process, the lack of systems, the lack of fill in the blank and then they wonder why that person just didn't didn't measure up. They didn't do what they needed to do. And then to take it to the level of the four steps. You know, think about partners too. I know just, and I talk all about partners and we're always partnering with people in real estate. It's just common JV, whatever, you know, partnerships. But that's why people start as friends. They get to know each other. I mean, that there's something to be said about that. Like you're you're doing it in a very strategic way, right? Social environment, work setting, team, very very smart. But I I would also think about that for people who you start to say, you know, this person might be a great partner for me. Let me do a couple of Zoom, like, connection calls, I call them, right? And then let's, let if this is someone who I'm actually really interested in partnering, wouldn't it make sense to spend some time socially with that person? Like, that would behoove you not to do that, right? Because you're going to see them in a different light. Not talking about real estate investing. Like, who are these people? What do they value? Andresa and I were really good friends for, like, five years before we spent a dime together to do anything. We knew each other, like the trust and the
0: respect.
1: You were on time. Thank God I was on time. I didn't know how much I took Andresa off. I was on time. It's
2: (laughs) a pet peeve of mine. Imagine if I am meeting somebody, and I don't get any text saying, hey, I'm running late. It's not that I'm it's like a pet this, peeve of mine too, like hardcore yeah. saying, oh my gosh, never late or whatever. I care when people don't give me a heads up. Oh, listen, this is what's going on. I, I yeah. also have a big problem when it's recurring. You're always freaking late. Forget it. I'm not meeting yeah. with you. And if it is an employee, imagine that. That is
0: out. <laughs> I'm Yeah, he's very interested in, in admitting that first. I love it. And, so and I was sorry I was going to mention quite like yeah. those four interview steps. If somebody is the type of person that is constantly late, it's going to show up in those in one of those four steps. So, because, you know, if you're constantly late, you just don't have good time management. So it's going to show up. It's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. You have four chances. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoever is late is not going to make one of those. Exactly.
1: I heard something once, and it's so true, but for the people who like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, which is, you know, something in my DNA, people teach you who they are. Listen to them to the, listen to them the first, second, third time. And That's people you will, buy, uh, you know, Angelo. okay. Believe someone <laughs> tell they are the first time. Okay. Yeah, so I'm absolutely brilliant that I completely, sorry, Maya, you, I adore you. And I completely forgot you said that, but the point being is just that idea of, you know, people will tell you and teach you, we just have to listen and we yeah. have to not always second guess ourselves. So what's next for you? I mean, you're, you're, you're really, you're moving and shaking and created this like powerful system that we've literally just got into this interview. So, uh, so, so fortunate to to brainstorm that with you. And I think the women listening really appreciate it, right? Step-by-step women love that need it. So what's next for you as you're building out? I'm just curious uh, what's on the horizon.
0: Yeah, honestly, we're just keeping building our systems and our business uh, more than anything. And what you guys said in the beginning kind of hit me too with the balance word, um, because not everything is about being equal and not everything is balancing uh, going great every single, you know, day of your business or even throughout the year. So we've had some steps back too. you know, we've had people that were working with us and they, you know, stepped out. So we're kind of back to filling in those spots now. And honestly, just kind of looking forward to the next year. We have big goals of, um, hitting a hundred deals for the year, just for, you know, one year. So awesome. that's, uh, that's kind of like our next step and our big goal that we're looking to hit. That's great. And you got such a foundation, which is, which is awesome. And you 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 humbly, so
1: eloquently talk about it as though like everyone's doing this. So kudos to you. And I love how much responsibility you take for, for okay, this didn't work and, and shame on us for not doing that in a mean way, but in a, a kind of right, right. perspective, which is super, super cool. But where can the ladies listening, learn more about you and, and uh, follow you along this great journey you're on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram. It's my first and last name, A-R-V-I dot Karkunji, which is C-A-R-K-A-N-J-I or at moneymakingduo.com. Awesome. All this information
2: you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book
0: you ever read? Yes, for me, I got to say was The E-Myth of Real Estate Investing. Um, they have like its own niche for real estate investing. And I read that as one of the first things when I started real estate. And it just really like spelled out the, the business for me, like the kind of like the main pillars, which is where my kind of five foundation steps came from too, because I was like, okay, I need, these are like the five things I need to, to get my business to this level. And I started working on those, you know, one by one, because it's impossible to do everything at once. So that book really um, transformed like the way I think about business. Great.
2: The second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? That's
0: a great question. Um, so lately, and I'm not going to say I'm the best at this, and I fall off the track sometimes too, but uh, one thing that has really helped me lately is meditating in the morning. I do this 10-minute meditation, um, not necessarily exactly when I wake up, but before, you know, between waking up and going to the office. Um, I find like 10 minutes to do that. And it's just kind of mindful to help me get started my way the right, the day, the right way as a business owner, I get, my mind is never stopping. Honestly, I don't know how you girls feel, but uh, even, you know, at 10 o'clock at night. So I'm always thinking about something that either we did wrong or how to fix, you know, and this and that. And I'm always also beating myself up about something that we did wrong or we didn't do the right way. So that has helped me kind of calibrate, I would say, in my mind in the morning to kind of let go of things and just take it one day at a time. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) The last question is, which woman,
2: famous or not, has inspired you the most?
0: Yeah, that is so awesome to ask. Um, I would say my current mentor, uh, her name is Tiffany High she's really demonstrated like a very strong woman for me. Um, and in this business, as you guys know, like it's, it's mostly overpowered by men and there's nothing wrong with that. But as a woman, you're also looking for somebody to kind of see like, okay, what, what should I be doing? Or, you know, is, is it me doing it wrong? Is it, am I doing it right? So I kind of needed like a role model and she's such a strong woman, such a strong like boss lady and, it's just kind of given me a little bit more power to and uh, energy to act like that and you know be like that and not be apologetic about it. So, mm.
1: love it, I love it, doing yeah. it unapologetically. Um, yeah. Ar- Harvey, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you so much sharing all your wisdom and literally like us packing in this uh, mini workshop on on the the steps to to scale, which uh, we we love because we want women to take away something of value so they can put it into action and actually move the needle right forward in their business. And, and scaling is such an important um, topic for so many that want to do that. So thanks for being here and thanks for sharing your great knowledge with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm um, so grateful to be part of like a women's platform. So I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, com.